Welcome to the Think Like a CFO podcast, where we dig into not only what it takes to start a business, but to keep your business thriving for years to come using my signature CFO money method framework. I'm your host, Melissa Houston, and I am a CPA and business financial coach. I have over 20 years of experience in business, and it is my passion to share my knowledge of business finance and personal finance with other women. You can also follow me with my column at Forbes.com or my column with Entrepreneur.com. With an audience of nearly a million followers on social media that spans the globe, fifth-generation chicken keeper Lisa Steele is well-recognized as the creative force behind Fresh Eggs Daily, the most popular destination for natural poultry-keeping advice on the internet. She has been dubbed the queen of the coop by the media, dishing out advice on raising chickens, ducks, and geese naturally via her blog and social media. In addition to being an expert, Lisa is also a main master gardener, avid DIYer, and accomplished coop-to-kitchen cook using fresh eggs from her coop and fresh produce from her vegetable garden in central Maine. I am so excited to welcome Lisa Steele to the show. Hey, Lisa, I'm so happy to have you here today. Welcome to the show. Hey, Melissa, thanks for having me on. I'm very excited, as I mentioned to you before we started, to talk about something other than chickens. But we do love our chicken talk. For those of you who do not know you, your name is Lisa Steele, and you are the blogger for Fresh Eggs Daily. But it's not just a blog, it's way more than that. So do you want to give listeners a little bit of an explanation as to what you do and how you do it? Sure. Yes, Fresh Eggs Daily is first and foremost, a blog about raising back your chicken. But over the, I don't know, 11 or 12 years that I've been writing it, it sort of has evolved into a multifaceted brand that encompasses all social media platforms. So Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, as well as a private label product line. I've written six books and I hosted a TV show on NBC here in Maine for the last two years. So it really has grown far beyond just a blog. Absolutely. I mean, it sounds like a total empire. It has. And a lot of it was just sort of being in the right place at the right time. Back in 2009, when Backyard Chickens got really popular, there wasn't a lot out there. You know, it wasn't like today when everybody is a blogger or an influencer or is writing books. There, There really was not a lot of content out there. And it frustrated me. So I started creating my own as I went along. And it just really was was the right time to be talking about backyard chickens. So I realized that you started this blog as a hobby. And at what point did you start realizing that this was something that was going to be bigger than a blog? I really wasn't into it very far. I had started a Facebook page a couple of months prior, about two years after we got our chickens. My friends on Facebook were getting really annoyed with just seeing chicken pictures all the time. So I started a, I guess you'd call it a business Facebook page, called it Fresh Eggs Daily, just kind of pulled the name out of the air. And I started posting all my chicken content there and people started asking questions. And I was answering the same questions over and over and over again. So I decided blogging was still fairly new. I mean, this was 2011, the end of 2011. And I decided if I started a blog, I could use it as sort of an archive. I really had no intentions of ever making money on it or monetizing it or doing really anything with it other than being able to have a link. So when somebody asked me about 
how to hatch baby chicks or what to do with an egg bound hen or how big their coop had to be. I could just grab the link, share it on Facebook and save myself a whole bunch of typing. You know, I figured I'd maybe do about 20 articles and that would cover the the general questions. And PS, you know, now, I don't know, eight or nine years later, I have 600 articles about raising chickens. Wow. <laughs> but it wasn't, I wasn't too many months in before I started talking with another girl who had a blog and she said, companies will pay you to put ads on your blog. And I mean, I had no idea. I, I had never blogged before. I didn't know anything about SEO or Google rankings or anything like that. But I started reaching out to the companies that I already used their products and liked their products and started offering little ads on my blog for, I don't know, I think the first ones were $10 a month or something like that. And it was kind of eye-opening that it could become sort of an income source. You know, in some of those companies, I'm happy to say, I still work with all these years later, my rates have gone up substantially. But it's nice to have these long term working relationships with brands that I really trust and love. And I've gotten to know the people that work there. Yeah, because there's definitely a certain level of integrity if you use their products as well and you, you speak for them. Your your readers, I guess, would really trust that about you. Yeah, and I have to give the companies credit because when I was just starting out, I mean, they didn't know me from a hole in the wall and it reflects upon them as well. Today, companies reach out to 100 or 200 influencers and you see products just plastered all over social media and you know that it's it's just for the money and the next week they're going to be promoting something else, whoever's throwing money at them. But I, I've really tried to, like I said, make it more about a long-term relationship and make it more of a long-distance thing than just a quick sprint. And you're right. I think it's a mutually beneficial relationship because my followers trust the products that I recommend and the brands that I work with, they'll send people who are just getting started with chickens to me. And because they trust the brand, they'll trust the recommendation to listen to what I'm saying. Absolutely. It definitely goes both ways. Now, you have a bit of a story, though, because you didn't start off just by blogging about chickens. You know, we had covered a bit of your story when we did our Forbes interview. And I'd like for people to hear about that because I think that's really important. So when you went to college, what was your major? I majored in accounting. Well, to take it back further, I had actually grown up in the country. My grandparents had chickens. We had chickens growing up. And I came from a small town. You know, you go to your guidance counselor and get ideas about what you want to be. And I didn't really know what I wanted to be. But accounting made sense to me because I understood that you went to school, you learned how to do accounting, you got out, you were an accountant. So that that made sense. I, I figured that was a major that I could handle and understand what my job would be when I graduated. But it wasn't too long after I started working that I realized that I was not meant to work in a cubicle. So accounting was not the profession for me. (laughs) But that accounting education has definitely served you well in your business. It has. And I I feel better because my parents and my and my grandparents actually, you know, paid for my college and I kind of felt badly that I wasn't using my education, but it does all come around and it has been invaluable for what I'm doing now. And I think that having a business or an accounting background is really, really valuable. You know, anyone who's thinking of going liberal arts or just not really sure what they want to do, business, you can't go wrong with a business degree. So how has your accounting background helped you in your business currently? Well, it's interesting because I was a corporate accountant. So, you know, I wasn't doing taxes, but I was working on Wall Street and I was doing corporate taxes. 
and working as a financial controller. So it was a lot of balance sheet work, a lot of income statement work, profit margins, cost of goods sold, all that kind of good stuff that comes into play when you run a business. And just over the years of selling on Etsy or selling products and looking at other shops and sellers, I realized that I don't think a lot of people really understand how to calculate how much money they're making, if they're making money, you know, there's a lot involved. It's not just, I sell it for $25 and it costs me $10. You know, there's a lot more to it than that if you're going to run a successful business. So just having a solid background in accounting, and I did take marketing and management classes, which have been helpful too, although social media is completely different than anything I learned in college. So different. I agree. Mm, Yeah. But I love the psychology of why people buy what they buy, what makes them buy. You know, now there's just so much information out there, whether it's podcasts or e-blasts or, or articles. And I just find it so fascinating to try to get into people's minds and figure out how to make them buy what I'm selling. Yes. And this brings me to another really good point about you. I do remember the last time we spoke, you had mentioned that you built your business entirely, well, pretty close to on, completely on your own. Is that correct? Yes. Not only that, it it is just me. I don't have people, but no marketing, no advertising. I don't have a budget for that. I don't spend any money on promoted posts or boosted anything on social media. So I've done everything completely organically, just using my follower base and trusting that they're going to like and share and buy and comment and keep buying and all that. So it's been a little bit of a challenge, but it's definitely kept my overhead really low. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you must have some really valuable tips for keeping organic traffic versus the paid traffic. I read a lot about it. And I belong to a couple of bloggers groups and talk to people and just myself seeing ads on social media or even on Amazon. Now you can promote your listing or that. But from the beginning, found that I could get so much traffic directed towards whether it was you know, a book listed on Amazon or a product I had listed on Etsy, or just a link to subscribe to my newsletter, I could get so much traffic just from doing an organic post that I didn't see the point in just throwing money after that, that I didn't even know if it would be effective or not. There's also a point you get to where you can't do it all yourself. So I'm kind of walking a fine line between how much can I grow my business and still do it myself Or do I need to scale back so I can keep doing it myself? Or do I want to grow so large that I need to hire people, which is a whole other thing, you know? So so there is kind of a tightrope that you walk when you're growing a business because so many businesses have grown too fast and they can't handle that growth, which you don't think would be a bad thing. But a lot of times that's what sinks a business. They just grow too fast and they, they don't have the capacity to keep up with that growth. Absolutely. And it's it's a lot more common than people seem to think it is too. It's definitely very difficult to keep up with growth when it's happening too quickly. So personally, I'm pretty new to social media. I've only been using it for about a year now. And I feel like I'm a right handed person. And when I'm on social media, I'm trying to do everything with my left hand. That's how it feels to me. It doesn't feel very natural. Do you have any tips for just engaging audiences and keeping it fun? And, and like, what, what strategies have you used that have really helped you along the way? It has changed a lot. When I started on Facebook, the platform was fairly new. And I really felt like, I knew the people that were commenting. I recognized their names. I answered every comment 
or at least liked it, was engaging a lot more. And Facebook is just so crowded and noisy and busy. And my platform is so large right now. At one point, I was getting 30,000 comments a week. I mean, that's you can't keep up with that. So I think the the key to social media is actually being ahead of it and jumping on a new platform as soon as it comes up. You know, the people that get in, got in on Pinterest when it was new, they got a million followers like that because Pinterest was promoting them. It's It was a brand new platform. There weren't a lot of people to follow. Same with Instagram. The people that get on, on Instagram really early on grew super fast. And Instagram has kind of slowed down a lot like Facebook did. There, there comes a point when it's just too saturated and people either can't find you or they don't want to find you or they burn out on it. You know, so it's hard. And and then TikTok came along and then they were all the cautions with that. And people are kind of not sure about that. And then there's one called Chat Room, I think. And there's MeWe. Keeping track of all these platforms gets to be kind of crazy. But anytime I hear about a new one, I go immediately and I open an account and I grab my name because the last thing I want is it for it to be the next Facebook and I haven't gotten on it and somebody else grabbed my name and it's not available. Now, have you heard of Clubhouse? I have. Are you active on every platform? No, I'm only active on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, which I just schedule pins. Like I don't, that's all passive and Twitter. And basically I post to Instagram and then I push my post over to Facebook and Twitter. So really I'm only active on Instagram to any extent that it takes me any time. I try to engage a lot there and answer people and comment, but I always make it clear that if you have a question, you have to email me because otherwise so much gets lost in social media. So I can't personally answer every social media post. Yeah, it would take you forever. You'd never feed your chickens. <laughs> no, and it becomes, I mean, social media has to only be a portion of, of what I do. I mean, it really doesn't drive that much business. I, probably about 80% of my blog traffic is still straight from Google. You know, so social media is only a piece of what I do. So it's very easy to let it take up your whole day, but you have to decide when enough is enough. So what kind of benefits do you think social media brings? The engagement, maybe? Well, absolutely. It, it, I mean, having a following of almost a million people over all my social media platforms, obviously has sold books, and it does drive blog traffic. 10% of a lot of blog traffic is still 10%. I wouldn't want to rely completely on Google. And I, I think a lot of the Google traffic I get is from followers who just happen to be on Google searching and they see my post. And so they click on that one because they recognize my name. So even though it's not directly from social media, it's indirectly because they recognize me from social media. So I think what social media has to be a part. I think what a lot of brands do wrong is they try to do social media as a brand and have every post be promoting something or a photo of their product or really hard selling. And I think the brands that do best on social media are the ones that treat it as if they're just another person on social media and their photos are not all staged with products or really hard sells, but they just try to be part of the social media community, but put their links so it's easy to get to their website for anyone who wants to buy something. So I know that you have a lot of offerings on your website. I went and I had a peek at it and, and there's a lot. Would you like to share with us about your product line? Yeah, that was something that came about a couple of years ago. You know, I had written a couple books, I was doing my blog, and I decided that I wanted to launch a product line. So I started out of our home in my home office and I was doing all the packaging, distribution, shipping, everything from our office. It was dried herbs 
in packages that you put in the nesting boxes because they smell like nice and they look pretty. So it got to the point where I was selling so much of it that I almost didn't want to post it on social media anymore because I would post on Facebook with a link and I would get so many orders. I'd be sitting there for three days packaging and shipping products, which was not really my intention when I started all of this. So it was a great product. There was a great markup. People loved it, but it was too much for me to do in-house. So I started working with a company that I had actually worked with to promote their products and they were going to take over everything. And it was basically a licensing deal. So I've watched enough Shark Tank to know kind of the ins and outs of licensing deals. We came up with a deal that seemed like it would would make sense. And within a couple months, it just turned into a complete disaster. Licensing deals and affiliate programs are great for the brands because you only get paid on what you sell. You know, so you get a percentage of what you sell and you have to trust that brand to be honest with how much you're selling. And when it became apparent that they had a website, they were in retail stores and they had Amazon listings and they were not selling more than I was selling myself just from my Etsy shop. <laughs> and I just found that really, really hard to believe and it just wasn't working out. So I, I freed up a lot of my time because it became completely passive income, but it wasn't profitable anymore. You know, it was far more profitable to be doing it myself, but I didn't have the time for that. So that's when I decided that, and as Mr. Wonderful would say, which I think is part of the reason why that particular product I haven't relaunched again, because I just keep hearing his voice in my head <laughs> saying, you know, what makes this proprietary? What makes this something that anybody couldn't do in their garage? And nothing does. And there are tons of products on the market now. Since mine came out, a bunch of other people started doing it. I mean, anybody can mix dried herbs in a big tote in their garage, <laughs> you know? So there's nothing that, that precludes anybody from selling them. So there's so much competition now. I ended up getting out of the licensing deal. It was just awful. And instead, I launched a private label line of poultry supplements, which are developed in a lab. So right there, it makes it proprietary. You know, every Tom, Dick and Harry can't just start creating things out of a lab. And it's a little bit different because I buy them wholesale from the lab. They ship them directly to Amazon and Chewy. And then Amazon and Chewy send me the money when they sell. So I know exactly how much is selling. I don't have to worry about the lab saying, well, we sold this much and here's your 7%. So it was really eye-opening about licensing deals because you really have to trust the company that you're working with to be honest about how much they're selling. Now, did that kind of steer you away from ever wanting to come up with another product deal like that again? As far as licensing deals, I mean, obviously, if Subaru or, you know, Poland Springs or some major brand came to me with a licensing deal, I would probably say yes. But yeah, and it's another reason why I don't accept affiliate programs either. Because again, you're just trusting that company to say, you know, you sold $100 worth of product this month. So here's your $7. You know that I didn't have enough control over what really was happening. And the way I do it now where I'm buying wholesale. So I know I'm buying 200. They're going to Amazon. I can see that Amazon receives 200. And then Amazon sells them and sends me the money. Of course, I have to trust Amazon. But I think that that's on the Poland Springs or or Subaru level. At some point, you've got to trust somebody. But it's it turned out to be much more profitable. I mean, there's much more of a an initial investment because I have to buy all the inventory up front. So there's risk because if it doesn't sell, it's mine. But it's definitely a better business model. And I think that in general, when you assume some risk, you're going to end up with a better deal out of it. 
So with your background, it must have come in really handy with your accounting degree and stuff that you would know your numbers and calculate what your profit margins are on these products. Oh, extremely helpful. And plus, I am just a spreadsheet freak. I have spreadsheets for everything. You know, and I, I loved sums and calculations. And I, I do. I mean, I you have to keep spreadsheets for this kind of stuff, especially for Chewy because Chewy's different because they pay you as soon as they receive the product. Amazon doesn't pay you till it sells. So you send product, they pay you as each item sells. Chewy requests product, they pay you as soon as they receive it. So it's a little bit different. And there's also different percentages involved. So I had to know exactly how much each of them was going to take as their chunk to know how much to charge them and then know how much Thomas Labs was charging me per unit. So it does get kind of confusing, but a good spreadsheet is invaluable. Quite often with my clients, one common thing I notice that they come to me with is they don't know their numbers. And when you're dealing with, you know, your business and you want to grow and scale it, as you would know, knowing your numbers are really important. Would you ever trust anyone else with your numbers? It is really important to know your numbers and know your profit margins. And I personally wouldn't trust that to somebody else. But for somebody who doesn't have those skills, I mean, you don't necessarily have to have every skill necessary when you start a business. But if you do bring someone in from the outside, I think it's really important to sit with them and have them explain them to you. So you do understand them. I'm writing a cookbook now and we're going to have the photos done professionally. And I said that I wanted to be there because I don't know anything about photographing food, but I figure being there there's going to be things to learn and I'm fascinated with the process. So I can't imagine not being part of that because I think there's a learning experience there. So if you do hire somebody, sit with them, have them explain to you so you can then do it yourself. Absolutely. And what I really try to hammer home to my clients too, is that nobody's going to care about your business as much as you do. So it's important to be as involved as you possibly can be. I don't say, you know, you have to be your own CFO and you have to do your own bookkeeping and you, you know, you have to do everything yourself. But if you're going to trust somebody with the process, you need to make sure that, you know, all your checks and balances are in order and that you understand yourself where your money's going, how much money you're making, and all the great things that come with running a business. Oh, absolutely. I have a rule at the end of each year, I go over the things that I've I've done for the year. And if I don't absolutely love doing it, or it isn't profitable, it gets scrapped, because I just don't have time to do everything. And at this point, I do want to keep it a one woman show, I don't want to have to hire people. So if I can streamline and stay focused on the things that are really making me money, that's really, really important. And then, of course, the things that I just love to do is important, too, because I, I kind of do this 24-7. So I have to have things that I do just because I enjoy them, even if they're not necessarily the biggest profit makers. But it really helps to keep your eye on the long term if you do that, because it's so easy to just start going in all these different directions. And I mean, I know people that beginning bloggers, first year blogging, they're hiring a virtual assistant, they're hiring an accountant, they're buying stock photos, they're buying all these pretty themes, you know, they're, they're spending all this money, they're basically hemorrhaging money. And I'm sure they're not making that much first year blogging. So is that really a good business model? Yeah, I completely agree. All the money's going out the door, and nothing's coming in, something's got to give. Yeah, I mean, you do have to spend money to make money to a certain extent. But there has to be a balance, for sure. And And you have to you have to realize that when you're any kind of entrepreneur, you do end up doing everything from 
turning out the lights at night and sweeping the floors to placing orders, you know, social media. I think if you step away from that, your followers sense that it's not your voice anymore. And I don't think that they're going to be happy with that because even the big time celebrities, they do their own Instagram and Twitter for the most part. You know, so if if you're hiring that out, I think you lose a lot. For sure. Especially if somebody reaches out to you and it's like you get a response and it's not the person that you think you're talking to and stuff. It's just it, it feels very fake. Now, if there was one thing that you really want listeners to take away from this conversation today, what would that lesson be? Absolutely follow your passions. If you're not passionate and genuine about what you're doing, A, you're not going to be successful and B, you're going to burn out because it's going to be forced trying to be excited about getting up every day and working every day. You know, if someone had told me 10 years ago that I would be supporting our family and earning a living talking about backyard chickens, I absolutely would not have believed them. But, you know, this the sky's the limit. And I think that you can be as successful as you put your mind to be, but you really, your heart has to be in it. It can't be faked. It's, you got to pick something that you really, really care about. I love that advice because it's so true. And what was that expression that you said when we last met? Oh, I, <laughs> I plagiarized from Sam Adams, I think. If you, what was it? If you love what you're doing, you'll never work a day in your life. Exactly. I love it's that. true. I love my chickens. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're very fortunate that you get to do this. And I commend you on your courage for doing it because a lot of people, you know, they tend not to follow their passions. And that's kind of sad. You have to jump in with both feet. I know people who have started a blog or started a business and they keep their full time job because they don't know about the risk and they don't know if they're going to be able to earn money. And you have to jump in with both feet. And if you're not 100% committed, you're never going to make it because if you're hungry and you have to pay your bills doing what you're doing, you're going to work so much harder and so much better at it than if you have a fallback and you're just pretending that this blog is going to become your living. So that's my other tip. That's a really good point. Yeah, that is a really good point. But you know, side hustles are so popular these days too, right? And I mean, that's probably contributing to the market saturation as well. Yeah, I guess you have a point because if you're not serious and you don't have that safety net, you're not going to really go for it. And grow the business in the way that you want to, or you can support yourself with. You won't. And it'll always just be a side hustle and you'll be a blogger or an influencer, but it won't be something that is really sustainable or that you are actually earning a living doing. Well, thank you for that. So if listeners want to look you up, what's the best way to find you? Is it on Instagram? Is it your website? Is it Twitter? I'm everywhere at Fresh Eggs Daily. My blog is fresheggsdaily.com or my email is fresheggsdaily at gmail.com. So I make it all super simple and easy. And I definitely encourage everybody to raise chickens, start a blog, follow your passion. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Melissa. Thanks for listening to the Think Like a CFO podcast with Melissa Houston, CPA. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast. Don't forget to hit subscribe and share this episode with someone you think would love it. Until next time, I'm Melissa Houston. And remember, nobody will ever care about your business as much as you do. So never give your financial power away.